Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast, the podcast that champions contemporary artists, curators and galleries. Listen each week to hear me, Anna Woodward, speak to a different person about their experiences, their practice and what they're currently up to within the contemporary arts. Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast. I'm currently joined by Josephine Bailey, Sue Yang and Victoria Canton. And Josephine, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, yes, sure. Second time around. Um, I'm a curator, art historian and arts writer. Um, and I focus on creating an institution, an intersectional, <laughs> not an institutional, an intersectional <laughs> practice. I run an Instagram account called at Procrastinating where I interview mainly female artists about their work and I have interviewed both of these wonderful artists here. Victoria, what's all of your practice about? That was really bad English. <laughs> um, wow. Um, dive straight in there. Why yeah. You? Uh, so, um, I think the work is starts off being very confessional and autobiographical and then from there goes off into explorations of what of like interpersonal relationships um, and I've, certainly I, I remember having a conversation back in um, undergrad um, with a tutor and saying that I wanted the the um, the work to have a kind of broader universal kind of conversational element with the, with the audience rather mm. than being specific. For example, um, I wouldn't call my work tra- transgender art in the same way that I don't call myself a transgender yeah. artist. And I really, um, I, I will kind of like refute or rebuke that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm an artist that happens to be female and also happens to be transgender, but that's yeah. as far as it goes. The, the, work, the work for me is not gendered. Mm-hmm. And certainly, uh, I think that would pigeonhole it too much. Yeah. And that's not the way I want it to be seen or read. Mm. because that's not the way I approach it yeah I mean we've spoken on episode with Josephine we spoke a lot about how kind of institutions and how they're kind of like we'll put a woman artist in a black artist and we're tick boxing it and we're like Mm. people need to just do it because they're great artists and not brand people because of certain factors Mm. but it should be because of their art just to add on to that I think it's also quite important to recognise that to some people their artwork does, especially if it is autobiographical, like to some people their artwork does really matter to their gender, to mm. their biography and you have to take it as a case, case by case basis and yeah. interpret artworks yeah, totally. and how people I, want know, them to be. I, I get that like, um, I don't know, Kerry James Marshall, mm. you know, the, the, the fact that he is black is a very important element mm-hmm. of the way that one reads the work. And though I've never conversed with him, you know, <laughs> I, I imagine that it's very important to him that the audience recognise yeah. that. Um, but but for me, I mean, I, 
you know, I, I, I can't escape um, autobiography in the work mm. because, um, because, you know, I, you know, all, that's that's the stuff that feeds all the work. Mm. It's it's where it's where the work comes from. Um, whether it's the fact that I have lived in the world where I was perceived to be male and recognised that way and, and, and interacted with, acted with that level, on that level uh, by others. Uh, and then now, um, uh, at worst, perceived to be transgender, at best perceived to be female. Um, uh, the fact that I'm white the fact that I'm European and I'm an only child, both my parents were immigrants uh, to this country um, and and um, all my roots are in Europe, you know, um, be it Jewish, Russian, Spanish, French roots um, are, are out there, even though, I, uh, but I'm also a Londoner mm -hmm. because I was born and raised here, here in London, South London. And, and and that kind of multicultural, um, also multi-religious, um, and societal and racial and everything, um, background is all going to feed the work. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that the work is. It, it's it's what. So is the seeds of the work. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not the tree that the work grows into yeah definitely so interesting I love this what I love about doing this podcast is just hearing more about people's practice and obviously we yeah. spoke when we were at the rudimentary education mm. day of the exhibition we spoke a lot about your work and what you both have been up to but it's so great to hear more about your ideas around it and yeah. how it, it's, you it's like you yeah you I mean you're, 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 you're not a Chinese artist your work isn't about being Chinese, but at the same time, you are, and it's it's the it's your root. Yeah, which leads perfectly, Yang. How would you explain <laughs> your practice? So, um, I my practice um, came from my own experience. As I was born in a small town, but. Um, came to UK um, to explore uh, drag culture and a different European heritage. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, which um, almost reminded me, but um, in a way that aroused my fantasy from my childhood. Uh, the fact that I was born in a small town and came into UK and uh, to see the stuff that I heard about, um, I I read about, yeah. I saw on TV, but I never experienced. It's kind of in a different fantasy land by myself. Mm -hmm. um, to creating this um, thing, this this wonderland for myself. Yeah, had was creativity something that was encouraged within your childhood? Um, I would say so. My dad, um, so I was drawing since I can remember, mm. and my dad always um, bought me um, books to read with illustrations inside, and I would draw them out myself in my own interpretation. I always trying to 
um, read those like fairy tale stories with stuff that I feel imaginative. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel it's really far away from my um, my life in um, reality. Mm. Um, and my dad, um, I mean, my mom thought I was weird, but like <laughs> she never, um, she never challenged me on that. Mm. Uh, even when I was doing cosplay, once fourteen, I went out to I, um, kind of just walked out the door um, and <laughs> just, took, yeah. just yeah. took the train to another city uh, with like this bright pink wig on. Um, my mom, um, like she called me, she said, where are you? I'm like, I'm kind of like 20 kilometers away from you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She um, had no so idea. She was angry, yeah. but she couldn't do anything about it. She said, so long you come back safely. So. Um, my mom, my parents was challenged sometimes, but they they respect what I'm doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so important that I think even if my parents sometimes don't understand creative subjects yeah. and what people are doing creatively, as long as you're supported, it can make such a big difference. Yeah. Do you think now, because obviously I know Josephine's very keen to talk about the unicorns, but there is this real fantasy... Things element do you think you're now kind of re-exploring that idea of escapism as a child from not your reality but kind of finding a new world um i assess it like uh, my 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 mom was supportive Mm. but she was conservative okay at the same time for example i was banned from short skirts there was no makeup allowed Mm. Um, i do it when she's not around um she knows that but i mean um but she would not want to see me like that on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there were kind of the restriction um, happening. But then after I came here, the first time I went to a drag club, I saw all those beautiful people dressed up into the uh, this identity that they believed mm. in. Um, it was really, um, it was a moment was like, wow, like people can be so beautiful and so colorful you mm-hmm. can you don't have to be um be circled be de- be ticked be put into one box mm-hmm. to be seen oh i'm i'm a man or i'm a woman mm-hmm. and what about like um you don't have to say uh like your you don't have to describe yourself because you just have to be you mm-hmm. um that's when i started um just rethink about what do i like because I loved pink, but I never wore pink in my teenagehood because my mom think it was a color that get dirty. <laughs> she said like when when I'm doing cosplay. Have you got any pink now? <laughs> yeah, gonna say it's, oh, very, it's a very bland okay. studio for yeah. anyone. Uh, <laughs> anyone can't see there's hardly any color. Yeah. <laughs> I actually forgot the question. Oh, there it is. It was just <laughs> practice. Yeah. But it's interesting that you talk about cosplay and, and drag yeah. because a lot of your work, as I'm sure most people listening know, is extremely flamboyant and very decorative and very luscious, which I think uh, drag definitely engage well, subsections of, but you know, the sort of like RuPaul's drag queen type of drag yeah. definitely <laughs> engages yeah. in that idea of like glamour and beauty. Um, and you, your performance pieces, I don't know if you call it cosplay or drag or performance, um, but you sort of embody the characters that sometimes you portray. Um, how has that sort of developed within your practice? 
Can you kind of sing about that? That's a lot of information. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're, we're talking about huge concepts and expecting you to come up with immediate responses. Um, I think my works are from, to start with, the, the performance. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, I would... Uh, I was quite largely encouraged by Victoria as well. We just got together. She's like, "You like it? You should just do it." <laughs> um, so, um, so I would dress up to be myself. Mm -hmm. But then, um, through my research, I realized what I'm most interested in is uh, 18th century's um, this Rococo, uh, beautiful like big dresses mm -hmm. with uh, those ladies wearing uh, pink like. I don't know, like those wigs with corset all the time. For me, um, that's a, the type of femininity that I like. I don't know why I attracted to it. Maybe that's the that's the the element that I find is the most far away from my own background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I found that exotic, um, and uh, so my dressed up to explain uh, to explore. Um, this femininity, it's it's like femininity you call it, or myself you call it, but I think I'm I'm just putting the stuff I like on myself, and I think it's a power for female to dress up, to express their femininity even more because mm -hmm. um, guys dress up like drags, drag queens um, dress up into these female characters. I mean, women can do that thing too, yeah. um, and I do feel my work are not. Um, just adopting the white culture mm -hmm. for me was the fantasy existed a long time from uh, my childhood so it's like really long background in my history and I do feel there's a power in my work that is um, uh, you don't see the, my ethnicity ethnicity from my work you do not expect an Asian woman to paint things like this Mm -hmm. For me, that's quite powerful because culture um, is not belong to anyone. It's someone that people can just use, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's quite it's quite interesting that you talk about culture because you're you're focusing on like a a culture, but one that's been dead for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I think what's really lovely and so interesting about your work, I'm just sort of staring around yeah. the room now. <laughs> Obviously, no one else can see, but is that it really? It really brings it into a really contemporary and um, really interesting perspective because you use a lot of mirrors and the unicorn, which we'll come on to, which is not specific to any culture really. It's just sort of mythology and beauty and pink and fluffy and sort of everyone's childhood princess, or at least my childhood yeah. princess fantasy. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to ask you about your mirrors because in a lot of your works, and not all, because I have seen some where the faces are properly reflected, but the reflections aren't um, like photorealistic or anything like that. Is that is that intentional? Is that is that I don't know. I just wanted to ask you about a little bit about that. I like to paint pictures more bit blurry, mm -hmm. so because I don't want people to see what exactly you're looking at because people see my picture as a fantasy. You see my picture, you see this ideal world, like for me it's an ideal world, mm -hmm, or yeah. this idea for someone, but it's not, it's not a picture that you're looking at, it's not, I'm presenting you this reali reality world, it's not, it's for you to, for the audience to go into, to imagining what's going on, I paint lots of mirrors, but I don't paint faces, mm -hmm, because yeah. I can see your face, I can see your face, 
I can see Victoria's face, but I can't see my own face. Mm. And you, you look in the mirror, you still don't see your face. Yeah. Because yeah. you see the reflection of your face, but like face, someone's face is something that you can never see. Like you can never see your face. So um, I've never thought about that, and it's kind of <laughs> tripping me out a bit. I've never seen my own face. And yeah. So I blurred all the faces out yeah. for my characters because when. Um, the idea is when you look into my painting, you look into this frame, this this female figure, and you can't see her face. You would automatically project yourself into the character. Mm-hmm, you would yeah. imagine yourself as a character to doing whatever she's doing, mm-hmm. or like to just be her. Mm-hmm. To it's more open up my to help the audience have the chance to go into my painting. Yeah. I mean, it's this painting behind you, obviously, it's a podcast people can't see, but it's absolutely amazing. And I've just been kind of <laughs> zoning out and looking at it just from the way that the figures, you've got the mirror, you can see the figure, but then you can see the other mirrors. And then you just start, I mean, I've just started focusing on like the chandeliers and just the way you've painted the mirror with the contrast against the red cut. Is it, I'm assuming a curtain or cloth? It's such an interesting painting. And I think, just for hearing you talking about the use of mirrors and people's identity and faces. It's so interesting, you really represented that in such an interesting way. I think something that you don't really see in representation. Yeah, it's it's quite a, a refreshing thing to have a, a work of art that's about self-reflection that can be, as you say, ubiquitous, like any culture, any person, um, and yet be so distinctly feminine because um, I think, you know, it's a very Judith Butlery type thing to talk about gender as performance, which is obviously such a such a big deal in drag and cosplay and, and everything like that. And I think that was always something that I picked up in your work, was the sort of, like, exaggerated elegance that really hits home and really but does become something that feels like a complete fantasy and as emphasised by the unicorns, mm. which are, in my head... A little bit more interesting than your Marie Antoinette beautiful lady because in a lot of the works and again I'm looking they look like they're coming out of the frames or out of the the pictures that you depict them in whereas I always feel like yeah the horn we're literally looking at one right now the horn is escaping the mirror or you know the painting or whatever whereas your lady your woman your person um, always seem quite fixed and I just wondered it was that like you know why? Why the unicorn? Why is she escaping? Or they? I don't know. Do unicorns have a gender? <laughs> I need to comment on the Judy Butler bit. Um, I read her gender as constructed identity, mm. uh, which I found quite... Um, I was really intrigued by that. did a lot, uh, a lot of research in mm-hmm. relation to people doing drag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I think you know, like we put on clothes um, because, like, we came with nothing, and the thing we put on ourselves becomes the way that we express ourselves in the society. Like people wear makeup becomes the the face that you present to the society, like who you are, and everyone express themselves in different ways. Mm-hmm. People people trying to be different, people trying to be themselves, but through what through they putting on the things on themselves, and. Uh, um, I do like collect a lot of beautiful clothing. Um, a lot of the dresses and stuff I came from um, the stuff I collected. 
Mm. As Victoria knows. <laughs> I was going to say, it must be quite a, a wonderful <laughs> closet. Vintage, vintage markets. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get dragged along to a lot of those? <laughs> um, and uh, so it's quite, it's more, some, somehow the women close to my real to my real closet mm-hmm. um and we just actually found this like beautiful vintage frame from victoria's like the parent her parents collection so we, we're hanging in our, in our flat now um it's kind of like this fantasy mm-hmm. um element of our our real life for the unicorn um somehow the first drawing i ever did in kindergarten was a unicorn. Yeah. Doesn't that just tie in so wonderfully? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember um, I draw this unicorn thing and the teacher was so happy because when everyone was drawing stick matching person yeah. with houses <laughs> and uh, so they were like just so intrigued by it. They were holding holding my drawing to show the whole class. Mm-hmm. They were like walking around just like like, can you see this scene? Like, yeah. this is imaginative. Um, so I was really encouraged by it, and it was really deep memory for myself. Yeah. That unicorn was the first person I draw, and I got recognized and I got encouraged. Uh, but then my teenagehood, through like, I got the act. Yeah, so what comes from that as well is obviously that your social media presence, Victoria, is often very combined with Yang's. And, um, support for each other is really obvious and people can't see this but there have been a couple of sort of lovers quarrels with people being like you know your hair's in your eyes your, <laughs> your bra straps down like it's very it's very tactile it's really lovely to see and you guys live you work you play all together <laughs> how do you do that without murdering we, each we other <laughs> as, as, I, as i said as i think i said a second ago we are very very lucky um <clears throat> in a in because we met in um, 20, 2016 in, in, in Wimbledon um, so I was it was the beginning of third year undergrad for me mm. and beginning of second year for you uh, at, at which at, at that point in the in the course in Wimbledon they they mixed the second years and first years to, second years and third years together so we ended up being in a studio on the first floor um, alongside of each other right uh, on, on like adjacent walls within within touching distance of each <laughs> other and so that that was the that was the beginning of the friendship because we were both in the studio pretty much all day every day yeah uh, d- during that time and so um, we we looked at each other's work we started commenting on each other's work and it kind of it the, the friendship grew from there and um, then midway um, we got together and and you move you moved in with me mm. and that was it I mean it's like until after school trip do we ask what happened on the school trip after, after the college trip um, school trip was so funny was, it, was that Vienna yeah, I think so. With the hot chocolate, do you remember? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after Vienna. Um, so, yeah, Beautiful did, city. Um, very romantic. A, yeah, very did a, did romantic setting. Annual annual trip to a different um, a different place each year. So that year was Vienna, 
in, in March. It's always in March. Um, and um, so, yeah, you, you, you moved in after we came back from that. <laughs> and and, and we, we've been pretty much inseparable ever since. I mean, there were, I mean during your period in, in, um, in RCA and my period in Slade, um, we, you know, we went off to different studios. Mm. But now here we are after the degree and um, we're back on adjacent walls and we're literally in each other's pockets 24 7 mm-hmm. yeah i mean certainly since um, since the lockdown happened the first lockdown uh yeah since since that since mid-march yeah. gosh did you manage your trip <laughs> march lockdown did you manage it this year's trip to oh no that was wimbledon oh that was oh wimbledon. not every year no. since oh i was so yeah. worried no, for you no. guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord <laughs> No, uh, since 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 mid March, I mean, we we have, I mean, the, the the most time apart we've had is one of us going to the supermarket. <laughs> um, you fawn after each other, yeah. or do so, you relish those moments? Um, so it's it's like kind of you know it's it's like we we're, we're very lucky that we um, that we that we work so well together. Mm. Uh, in, in that yeah, regard. I think there's definitely a lot of couples, mm. especially after lockdown, will know that they cannot live and work together. And you two have obviously mastered living and working together. Mm. Yeah, I don't even know how we how we're doing it. But no, we, it's, just, it's just a very good yeah. chemistry. Yeah, I a guess also maybe because you had the working relationship before through mm. sharing the studio in Wimbledon. Yeah. Before you were together. Yeah. That kind of helps too long, but I think. Obviously, I mean, that doesn't mean that doesn't that that doesn't mean that we don't bicker on occasion. No, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yang is definitely while, saying um, that they bicker. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's all it's couples do. It's few exactly. and far between, thank goodness. And um, I don't, I don't. Think I think, I think we we have occasionally um, like, um, how do you call it? Like, I mean, argument or like. Falling out or disagreements. Yeah, that's a nice thing. Yeah, that's a good word. Keep this one. Yeah, but there are. I mean, Um, but I think we managed to work out every single time somehow. The thing is, is we 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 come from to begin with. We come from different generations, and we also come from very different cultural backgrounds. Yeah, and and I and. And so that is sometimes not going to see eye to eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna, we, we have our own different points of view. And, and I don't think either one of us need the other to be, you know, to just, yes to just like say, oh, amen, what you say is, is law. Yeah. You know, you know I, 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 um, I respect and appreciate the fact that Yang has her own points of view about things and, and her own opinions mm-hmm. uh, as, uh, as as she does my own mm-hmm. but but there is this willingness that when we do um, disagree that you know there there's there's a willingness to to always come back to the table yeah and 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 um, and kind of take on board the other's point of view 
Mm. So great relationship yeah. advice, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself... Sorry, I, I knew Anna was just about to ask something, but... I think you're going to ask the same thing, actually. Oh, we might well be the same thing. Do you guys ever find yourselves interpreting each other's works and realising that you've been influenced by each other accidentally, considering the fact that your practices, just on pure aesthetics, are so different? Have you ever painted a unicorn, Victoria? <laughs> I... You should try. I do think that we do influence each other a lot. Mm. Um, Is that what you're going to Because... Yeah. Because we we seek out each other's advice. I mean, you know, Yang, Yang's opinion and feedback is, is absolutely uh, my most trusted, um, she is my most trusted sounding board. Yeah. Um, and, and the person that I go to first and foremost, uh, you know, I mean, you make a work for yourself. Mm. Uh, and, and and you've got to be okay with what the work is. You know, you're, you're looking. I mean, when you're in the studio anyway, um, you know, ultimately, you in the work. It's like it is talking of mirrors. It's like <laughs> looking in the mirror and and looking to find your own reflection in that in that misty image mm-hmm. you know that's I, I, I believe that's what we're seeking to do when we're making an artwork trying to find something that speaks back to us that makes sense mm. and, and clarifies perhaps clarifies something for us or opens up a new a new door a new a new, a new question but beyond that relationship that we're having as as the artist and first audience with the artwork then there's like I know am I barking up the wrong tree is is what I'm doing making sense Mm. can I get a trusted second opinion and to that end Yang is the first voice I go to for that for that trusted second opinion, and, and 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 I do think we 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 feed each other, but you know I I can't speak for you on that score. <laughs> I mean, I do think um, it's like um, I learn a lot from Victoria from. Um, we started sharing students together like different materials or like how she managing paint um, Victor have different I mean we have entirely different backgrounds so Victor have different um, like method to mm-hmm. paint that I do um, like she was self taught and I was had to follow this this tutor um, like with my um, repetitive training mm. year over year um, and the Victoria was just purely exploring what she likes and uh, um, so we have we have we had a very different background and we do explore um, uh, subject matters quite differently um, but after we got together we realized we do like quite um, we influenced by um, quite a lot of Artists that we're influenced by, we're influenced by the same um, by the same artist, 
like a Rembrandt, Goya, uh, Velasquez. Amongst that, yeah, amongst yeah. the Titian, the older ones, yeah. and then, um, and uh, then uh, at, at the at the more modern end, um, like in terms of contemporaries. Um, um, uh, brain freeze. <laughs> um, no, well, that was I was. There was a name I wanted to say first, but I, I've got brain freeze <laughs> in regards to her name. Um, but. Uh, no, but well, Beth Morris so is, def- is definitely you. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I can I, see I that. I love her work, but um, it's not a go-to for me. Uh, but um, I mean, what I'm saying is S- Sergeant. Um, yeah. And um, Soroya. Uh, Soroya. Um, I I love Picasso, um, which I which I know <laughs> you don't. Um, He's but, a contentious one. Yes. Um, <laughs> And um, what's his name alongside alongside Sergeant? No, what I'm saying is, um, like we have we have we influenced by a lot of um, strong so, conceptual yeah, ideas as well. Yeah, uh, but because we have such different background of how we grow into um, an artist mm-hmm. by our, by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, our painting methods are quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, like my the way I'm painting is very different from the way Victor painting. Mm-hmm. But I think we're influenced by the same ideas, um, same like a male gaze, female gaze, how how the how a female figures got pictures in the history and mm-hmm. how we see us contemporary female now. Um, it's those ideas in our works are quite similar. I mean, yeah, I mean, for ages I wasn't saying that painting, painters were, were my kind of first point of reference. It was, it was literature, mm. it was theatre, uh, playwrights, um, film, um, photographers, uh, because these were all um, uh, Subjects, issues that I was um, that I was both passionate about and fascinated by uh, for a long time before I started painting, mm. um, and um, it was only it. I mean, I did. I started painting at twenty, and I didn't start seriously taking painting seriously until I was in my early 30s. I wouldn't yeah. say you was not taking painting seriously, I would say you only realised you can be a full-time painter. No, but I mean I was doing a lot of theatre, mm. I was doing a lot of drama, I was, um, I, was like, I was doing a lot of music as well, uh, uh, I was in bands as a singer-songwriter. Oh wow, I was going to ask um, what you yeah. did, that's brilliant. Um, Anything we can look at Spotify? Uh, Please, no, <laughs> YouTube. It's not on Spotify or on, or on YouTube. Because this was all in the, this was all in the nineties. Any CDs you can give us? Yeah, I'm um, desperate. <laughs> I, I do have um, I do have a bunch of recordings though. Ah. Recordings did make it. I was in a, I was in one band called Agent Orange, in the early nineties, um, which was I mean that was all original material, uh, but very much influenced by the likes of. 
um, of um, Dawes and Neil Young and Steely Dan and Led Zeppelin and then after that another band called Squirm which was these some great names yeah these are really good names Floyd um and and I mean we used to gig almost every single weekend and I went to drama school as well and did quite a bit of theatre yeah uh Shakespeare and Oscar Wilde that's amazing um so I love these podcasts you learn so much about people and what they've done uh uh it was only um after the after I um after I stopped being in bands um uh, and then in the, in my, in my thirties when I when I decided that actually painting that had been repressed for for many many years mm. because my family had not been supportive of, of, of me doing um, fine art and in inverted commas. But they were okay with you being an actor. Well, no, they weren't about. They, they <laughs> weren't. <laughs> How does that link? Um, yeah, both no, are terrifying no, jobs. No, <laughs> the arts the arts generally was not supported at all. Right. Mm. Uh, and being an only child and and having parents that came from a generation where you needed to do something that they thought was more secure. Mm, yeah. Um, especially because of my own mum and dad's life experience. They they didn't want something that was, you know, kind of filled with trepidation mm. and uncertainty mm. for their child. Mm-hmm. And of course, I had my own gender issues as well mm. um, to deal with. So the the whole lot culminated in in um, and, and drama became theatre was a form of escapism, I suppose. As was the, the stage, whether it was in music or or in acting. Um, but but then later, um, it was like, okay, actually, I can paint and I will paint. Yeah. And so I rented a studio and started painting. But even then, even then it wasn't until later yet that I eventually got myself to art college when I realised that it was something that I could do and I didn't have any personal responsibilities that that I had to, anyone I had to take care of yeah. that might might get in the way of me doing it mm. it was just like I can full freedom I can be selfish and just do it for me yeah uh, and and you know making art is a very to it to an extent and I don't know whether other artists out there listening to this would agree with me but I think it's a very selfish pastime because you're doing something that where ultimately all you're looking out to do is satisfy and please yourself mm. and satisfy your own urges and and answer and and your own questions curiosities and desires mm-hmm. i was at um kate dunn who's an, an artist on i think her mm. instagram is belissi mama for those who want to check out her work i was at her studio yeah absolutely brilliant i was at her studio two days ago and we were having this exact same conversation actually not for any reason other than just you know talking (laughs) and um she said the same thing she said you know being an artist because i come from a completely different background i'm not an artist i'm just i'm just a wannabe i wish i could paint (laughs) and so i do curating and, and art history 
Um, it's a very self-indulgent thing, and I think the words that she used was something along the lines of, you're painting for yourself, but also in the hopes that somebody else somewhere, and you don't know who and you don't know when, will also get something back from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think totally. that's a really, it's a really interesting perspective, that as you're working, you're working because it's good for you, but also with the idea that you know, art is so powerful and well, you know, as... You know, as, as silly as that sounds, like art, art transcends, and that's sort of that something that a lot of people consider. Yeah. I, I think mean, very. I, yeah. I, I remember um, an exercise that we did in Wimbledon the first year, right? Literally the first few weeks of being there, and um, we had like a piece of paper, and it was like, write down what you think art is or being an artist is, and I was writing stuff about um uh you know art, art is art is provocation it's statement it's enlightenment it's it, it there, there's there it's political mm -hmm. yeah. um it's 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 teaching it's it's enriching it's it's um it's provoking it's pushing back and I don't think, on reflection, that art has to be all of those things all the time. Yeah. But it's a lot of responsibility for all the yeah. artists out there. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> it, if it isn't that, at some point, then, then, I think for me, there's a risk that it maybe misses a beat. Mm. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because one of the the things that I love hearing from artists is the sort of the backstory and the the reason for a work of art. Because sometimes, as beautiful as works can be, you get to a different level through hearing about you know the background and the story. And I think that's that's something that really is the power of curating shows and putting putting exhibitions on with the artist as the centre, as opposed to just sort of like you know commercialism and, and whatnot um, but off the top of that topic of that it's interesting that you're saying that you came to Victoria you came to painting or making it your life quite late on because as we were arriving Anna and I uh, we heard that you had works being shipped off to LA and Singapore and all across the world so it seems like perhaps despite it being slightly later in life than you would have liked it was definitely a good decision, and you're you're really getting somewhere pretty impressive. Again, very very fortunate, and um, and and it's a great privilege that people are interested in what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, because because you know you, you spend every day in the studio. You 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 make work in a vacuum, mm. and 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 in the process of making the work there's it's just you in the work anyway there's there's no I you know you, you don't make work to please others and and you don't make work I, I don't make work with the, with the thinking that anyone else will get what I'm doing mm -hmm. or be interested in what I'm doing it's just something that I need to satisfy like like an itch that has to be scratched yeah and and it's only when the work is finished that it's then like, okay, so 
now that I've done this, what do I do with it? Yeah. yeah. So let me take it outside and share it and see if anyone has any interest in in the thing I'm doing um, either in what I'm saying or maybe alternatively feedback to me and and enlighten me further in what I've been looking at that I haven't yet seen yeah it's because not just fortunate though like you've been working really hard on things um, well you keep on pushing but you never know how that door is going to open yeah regardless it's like from the first lockdown you were the first person that thought of the idea of oh we can have a our own degree show so you approached Chris and Yeliga which lead to Sachi and uh, you that's pretty big I didn't realise yeah. that was your idea that's it a huge achievement it was Victoria's proposal to Chris and Yedigard, which mm-hmm. Sachi thought it was a good idea, so it led to a bigger show. Huge show. I mean, there must have been, mm-hmm. I don't know how many artists The biggest in show there. in London this summer. Yeah. Maybe yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yeah, you helped, like, mm, over 150 100, artists. Yeah, you helped 150 artists with a, with a career, basically. I mean, it's... Probably it's better than a degree show to have it at Sachi yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, and it had a, it had a fabulous... Um, uh, like turnout in terms of the audience, audience mm. reach. You know, I, mean, I, I, I ended up going back to Saatchi over the, it was that, it was up for six weeks. And over that six week period, um, I went back three, four times um, at different points to, to meet other people there at the yeah. show. And, um, and every time I went, no matter what day of the week it was, um, you know, t- turning up early afternoon, mid afternoon, and there was a queue. <laughs> uh, there, there, there was there was a queue of 20, 30, 40 people. Yeah, paying to get in as well. Paying to get in to to go in, which is which is like very humbling. Yeah. Um, to have that, the amount of. Um, also, the amount of engagement through social media, again, very, very humbling. Mm. Um, that you know, you, like I said, you you do something, and you never know what's going to happen with it. So the fact that that happened is absolutely incredible. And it's it's what you know. It makes it all worthwhile. It's what it's about. Yeah, but I also that, think that you connection, both, that touch. Yeah, you both deserve every success that's coming to you because you both work so hard in all aspects of your practice and life and I think, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Yang, about your, um, I'm sure you have a much more eloquent way of describing them, but your carpet paintings or your rug <laughs> paintings. Doesn't sound particularly nice saying that, but I mean, one of them was in the, in the Saatchi show and um, I'd never even thought that someone could paint on a carpet or a rug or... Uh, you'll speak a lot better than I can <laughs> but um, it blew my mind and there's another one in the studio that I'm, I'm presuming is yours unless somebody else has, <laughs> has stolen your idea um, but I'd love to, to hear about how you decided to, to find a completely unique and such an interesting canvas or medium so 
I, in the first year of essay, I started thinking about um, the material, the materiality of painting. I've been painting on linen, and I thought, like, you know, the history of linen, like, traced back to how many years? Like, thousands of years? Two thousand years? I don't know. Painting <laughs> <laughs> no, no, on linen. Wood, wood panel from five hundred, right? So wood, like, wood panel you're about talking like about like five hundred. Twelve 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 hundred or You can cut this well, panel. <laughs> <laughs> got the Romans and the yeah. Romans were doing wood panels. Yeah, but linen is basically like L linen you're uh, going back uh, to Venetian. Yeah. Fifteen hundred. So it's like five hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see I've been teaching you all about art history as well. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is going to have so many different dimensions. Yeah, relationship, art history, yeah. art. <laughs> this is the most well-rounded episode you've got. Career or anywhere else. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was, I was thinking about the history of linen, oil painting, and uh, we, Victor took me well around all the National Trust properties. Um, we went to a couple like... English heritage, those old beautiful houses, um, to see how the people, how, how the people was living basically from far away, from town yeah. far away, and uh, my uncle had carpet. I since I can since I was little, mm -hmm. and uh, I remember visiting his home, and he um, from the early years he decorated with like super. Um, for Europeans um, with columns going around this massive house. Wow. <laughs> so um, I, and he told me his, his story of his traveling, his, his, um, he traveled to um, like all around Europe and his, but he, he's planning more. But he told me all those like exotic stories that I never really came across to. So I just thought, like it was a part of my fantasy from when I was little and my parents couldn't afford the carpet because you couldn't afford to look after it. Mm. Um, and uh, I just searched online to bought something that basically I would imagine to have when I was little but could never own it. Um, it's the same as the silver plate series. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you could say the basically from the stuff I saw from what my uncle owned but I could never own the same and we're so close and there was a bit of a sense of jealous mm -hmm. yeah. I wish I could have it just a bit of uh, uh, envy, bit of uh, um, a, like curiosity mm -hmm. in that so I'm using that of those feelings projecting them onto those materials it was really, really innovative. Yeah. Um, I've never seen anything like it. I'm looking at the one in the studio now, and there's a it's a, a blue a blue carpet with a with a what's that bird? A peacock, a peacock. <laughs> and I mean, to me, a peacock is like peak luxury. Um, so it's sort of like the the real life unicorn almost, mm. the sort of bird that you see that just screams gorgeousness and lusciousness. <laughs> Your father had peacocks. Oh yeah, my dad had peacocks in his mountain. <laughs> so my dad, um, well, he, dad, your parents. Yeah, no, my mom doesn't like it though. <laughs> so is it like a pet peacock? 
It used to be. They wonder Peacocks if they frighten don't, me, eh? but they frighten me because the, the just the the tail frightens yeah. me. The eyes frightens <laughs> me. <laughs> my so my dad hates city. He hates business of the city. He hates mm. like everything to do with people. So um, so my dad bought a a like quite a large chunk of a mountain. Um, oh wow! When yeah, when I was poverty. yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I was, uh, when I was like 18, 17 or something, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, um, Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, he has a friend working at zoo. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's just, not, it's a private zoo. Um, a, a, a rich business person built for himself, uh-huh. for his uh, private clients. Uh-huh. Um, in his restaurant. Very nice. <laughs> this is a fantasy that I'm yeah. hearing. <laughs> My dad friend is a high-end manager. Mm-hmm. I hope he's not listening to this <laughs> because he can get sacked. <laughs> um, so my my this my this manager friend of my dad um, bought this peacock eggs still warm like basically oh. stolen from the peacock oh and then handed it to my dad. Was like and like. Uh, Xu, basically my dad's name. Um, Xu, like, I know, I know you have this mountain now. I know you got the chicken and the goose. Can you <laughs> hench those for me? So like, can you just hench those? Like you can, you hench them like you own it. Like it's a peacock eggs. My uh-huh. dad was like, what the hell? So my dad like literally drove up to the mountain, and the, he has to keep the eggs warm. And the, but like they literally, the chicken was like kind of dumb to hench it. <laughs> And the peacocks. So he hand raised peacocks in yeah. the mountains. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to your series of paintings about hatching peacocks, because <laughs> um, that is a story and a half. Goodness. Um, before that, like my uh, my dad's friend, like given my dad like stolen peacock feathers because they shed feathers, mm-hmm. um, he would take it to my dad. So we had peacock feathers since I can remember. It has traced back long time um, I grew up with peacock feathers um, wow. and um, but then my dad actually had those real peacocks um, which was like big baby peacocks but then they got stolen one day <gasps> so well I'm sure they're very they must be expensive birds peacocks yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so they got stolen that's the story <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel like maybe we'll end on that on the no. story about the peacocks. On the story of the yeah. peacocks. Sure. I think I don't think anyone could top that. No. <laughs> Where do we go on from that? <laughs> Yang's peacocks. But I just want to say thank you so much to everyone for the three for Thanks joining for me us. on today's thank you. Thank you. episode and for having us in your wonderful studio. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been yeah. so nice. Thank you. We should be saying thank you for having us. It's yeah, been really exactly. wonderful. Thank you. Mutual. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Artist Contemporary podcast. Remember to check out the Artist Contemporary Instagram and to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all the episodes, artists and exhibitions that are posted on the platform.